Hello and welcome to the Emotional Work Podcast where we take a deep dive into the human condition. Um, Now, we've had a little talk in the past about COVID-19 and we're going to come back um, to look at that as kind of like a backdrop to the podcast today because COVID-19 has kind of changed the landscape of work for many people for a long time. Now, there are some settings like construction or hospitality or retail where what we're going to talk about today is maybe less of a priority or less of a less of a change or a shift for them. Um, and so this episode focuses on, on mainly those those workplace settings where um, people might be doing more sort of knowledge based work. There's also a personal interest for me because the teams that I lead are spread both within the UK and across mainland Europe. And for many of our clients, we're helping them with shifting processes, ways of working and developing the capabilities to work and lead in a remote and hybrid way. And that's the focus of the podcast today then about how about leadership, but in particular leadership in remote and hybrid teams. My guest today, well, they see it as a leadership superpower to be able to create safe and a trustworthy culture so that people don't have to wear a mask to work. And as you will know, fair listener, I have a deep fascination for um, for this idea of a, of a behavioural mask or face or face work, as I would have talked about it in the past. So I'm really interested to hear how our guest does this in their work and it's something that he's done in different geographies as well. So I think that's going to be an interesting um, aspect that's going to that's going to play into the podcast today. So let's our get let's get our guests onto the air. So welcome to the podcast, Sumit Gupta. Hi Sumit. Hi Phil. How are you? I'm doing quite good. Thank you for having me. Good, good. Thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's wonderful to have you here. I'm delighted uh, to have you on as, as a guest for the podcast today. Um, and as usual, um, we will begin our podcast with the unexpected yet innocuous question. So my question for you then, Sumit, is what is the best thing that you've done in the rain? I think I think the best thing is to just soak the rain in, just get wet and absorb what is there and not try to resist and mm-hmm. fight fight it uh, like with the looking for shelter or opening your umbrella uh, that's that's the best thing i have done in the rain wonderful so one of my favorite things um to do in the rain is, so my family and i have a have a, a deep enjoyment for uh, hot tubs so we've been hiring hot tubs for, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite experiences of being in the hot tub is when it was absolutely chucking it down with rain. So um was just sat in the hot tub with my with my body really warm and, and immersed in bubbles and uh and then feeling the, the kind of cold rain hammering down on my head, which was really nice. Um I think I was the only member of my family in the hot tub at the time, mm-hmm. but I very, <laughs> yes. I very much enjoyed it. Yes, I, I, I liked. The... I have a I have a lot of pleasant memories about the rain because uh, I, I grew up in Delhi, which is which is a very hot place to live in. So rain mm-hmm. was always associated with uh, with pleasure or with uh, like like a gift gift from the skies. And and if you are playful, then that's what people do. People just go out there and soak themselves in the rain. Uh, to get relief from the sweating and the and everything which comes with with a hot summer uh, so I, as a child i have a lot of uh, wonderful memories of just letting letting the rain engulf me letting myself be uh, 
like letting the raindrops uh, penetrate my my body and then just enjoying that that moment hmm and when I think about the um, the conversation that we had off air before we uh, before we kind of came together to get the recording today, that 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 metaphor that you're using there of of kind of basking in in those moments and, and enjoying the rain in those moments, um, that sounds a bit like how you how you approach your work and and how you approach leadership as well, um, or is that an unfair link that I'm making? No, I, I think that's very accurate, and I think it's very incidental that we started, uh, and, and the question which you asked was about rain, because that's how I see learning, and that's how I see leading people, because uh, like just like the rain, leading people can be so unpredictable. And what I've found is that the more we try to control things, uh, the more challenging or the more friction it generates, rather than to just be present with what is there in the moment and uh, different people react to the same thing in different ways. And then how can you let everything which is coming at you uh, and then how can you soak it all in without getting defensive or without getting into overthinking or, or planning or strategizing and then just be there with somebody and then listen listen to, to what, what they're talking about, what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. And and then yes, then you can you can do everything which which you do as a, as a leader later on. And is there? Uh, I'm going to risk stressing the metaphor too far now. Then, um, and so, with the uh, with the umbrella, or could the umbrella be a be a metaphor for the mask that you refer to when you see about when you talk about the leadership superpower, making it so that people don't have to wear the mask at work, so they they can bask in the rain without needing to put up an umbrella to protect themselves i i think i think yes in in a way it could be it could be a metaphor because then uh, the mask is there to protect you and if you mm-hmm. see the rain as a threat that's what you will do you will either look for shelter or you will open up an umbrella and then you will you will like physically try to become small so that you do not get uh, engulfed in the rain and and that's what people do when they are in an unsafe environment their bodies become smaller, like like they're trying to fit under an, a small umbrella. And while there is a lot of uh, emotions or a lot of unsafe rain, which is which is happening all around them. I I, I like that. That sounds um, that sounds really nice um, uh, as a as a, as a metaphor and a description. But the way that you talk about it also it also sounds like it's something that you've experienced as well. So have you had those experiences where you're making yourself smaller and, and you're you, you can see these thing all these threats around you and, and you've had to and, and you've kind of protected yourself along the way? Yes. unfortunately I have I have been on both sides of uh, of this situation. Like I have been uh, I have been the person who has to hide away. And I have also, as a leader, I have also been that person who has created that kind of environment for others. Uh, so unfortunately, I, I have learned the hard way. Uh, and um, I, I think uh, the second part, I think, is, is very meaningful for me, that as a leader, consciously you never want to do so. You know that. Why, why would you want to create a place where people cannot be open or where, where people cannot be productive? Mm-hmm. But yet... That happened because uh, that was something which I was totally blind to. 
So I know this is a little off script in terms of what we've prepared and also the, the frame for the podcast. Um, but one of the things that interests me is um, sharing stories of when we've got it wrong. Um, because I, I think that's something that is done less often. So often we talk about what um, what needs to be done or here's an example of when somebody did something really well and, and maybe there's less of those explorations of, of when somebody got it wrong. So is it that something you'd be willing... And, and like I said, I know it's not something that we said we were going to talk about, but is that something we could explore short, for, for a short period of time? Absolutely. I, I, would, I would love that frame. Uh, and to add my my context to that. Okay. So do you want to do that then? Do you want to add your context um, to it? That would be really useful, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the, just the phrase right and wrong, I think it creates so much, uh, or it closes so much space that we don't even realize. Like I, I have learned from my past experiences when I was unaware of what good leadership is. But if I say that I was wrong, or my company was wrong, or my manager was wrong, that already is putting a frame over whatever happened. And then giving people the, an environment where they are, they are safe to do what they consider, what they might consider wrong, or what you might consider wrong, is the foundation of psychological safety. And just not using the words right and wrong sometimes can help, because the, the moment we've used the word that this is wrong or this is a mistake or this is a failure, that immediately have people react in a certain way and that, that can cause them to close down, like in the, in the metaphor of the rain, that can cause people to open up their umbrellas and not be visible, not be, not be open. Uh, so that's the context which, which I would like to add, like just being very mm. conscious of the frame that we put people in uh, so yes, we talk. We can talk about learnings. We can talk about things which have like, quote unquote, gone wrong. But at the same time, I would like to like to take a step back and say that there's nothing really wrong. Like, it, it's just the way it is, and there is a lot lot of factors which contribute to something being the way it is. And by putting a frame or a label of right and wrong, we actually make it more difficult to achieve what we are trying to achieve. Okay, so I, I want to explore that some more, and uh, I'm not going to because I want I want to keep us on the uh, mm -hmm. on the track we were on before. So um, uh, we might come back to framing a bit later on. Um, so tell me a bit more about the uh, what happened for you then when when you those conditions were were present in the team that you led. Um, where you felt that you created that or you felt that that environment existed where there wasn't that psychological safety? Yes. So I, I came from a very, very technical background and I was promoted to management because I was good at my like usual job of software programming. And, mm -hmm. and that's what happens uh, in the industry most of the time. Uh, and nobody told me that leadership or management was a totally different domain or skill than than programming or than dealing with computers and then the importance of empathy the importance of communication that comes with becoming a manager so I, what i did was i i tried the same approach which i which i used personally for myself for my own uh, 
um, work. And I mm-hmm. expected this. I started expecting the same from people. I started expecting people uh, to do to work hard. I expected people to to respond to me in a, in a way I like to respond. And being a very analytical person, I was always very very methodical, very like a step one, step two kind of kind of a uh, kind of thinking. And I had no idea that people are different. That everybody is different. There are different personality styles, like uh, introverts, extroverts. And I was very introverted. And that led me to form good relationships with a certain kind of people and not have good relationships with a certain kind of people. Uh, and then okay. I shaped my management, I shaped my leadership around that rather than what was what was actually there and flexing myself uh, to adjust to what, what I was seeing. And uh, so I brought out, brought out a lot of my own behaviors unconsciously into the team environment. And then that created friction that created a lack of safety and then uh, it took me a while to understand what is happening because suddenly people were talking to me but they were not telling me what was happening uh, for them like internally for, on their in their emotional frames or they were talking among themselves but they were not being open to me mm-hmm. okay yeah and, and so Yeah, so I I think one thing which I learned with that is that every everybody is different, and when you deal with people, you're dealing with uh, unpredictability, and and that's not wrong. That's just who people are, and then how Mm -hmm. can you how can you use that or how can you like to take that as as what it is like as the as the metaphor of rain, and then work work from backwards to create the team that you want to create, to create the results that you want to create, to create the performance that you want to create, and to allow people to show up as their best version rather than to show up as how I expect them to be. Um, and and if, it, if it's okay for me to ask, um, uh, and what prompted... So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing then... Because of the uh, because of the way that you frame the story around, um, you've been on both sides. Um, that I imagine there was a moment of some sort, or there was an experience, or there was something that happened that um, changed it from from those things being out of your awareness to those things then being in your awareness, and, and you doing something, uh, you taking different approaches. So what what was that? what was that where yeah what was that shift or where did that shift occur or, or how did that shift happen for you yeah so it it was it was a series of events uh, the first okay. was when uh, when i started to see that something there was something which i was totally missing out on like uh, suddenly people who were good friends to me or who were talking to me who were open to me were not talking to me right so i i tried to understand what is happening and then a few people told me that this is happening and then first of all, the, the question which I asked that, how did I miss that? Like, and why, why did you hold it for so long? Why, did it, why didn't you come to me? Right. So, so, so first realization was that I had done something and I had no idea that I had done it. And I, and I had no idea still, even after knowing that, that how to fix it or to what to, what to do differently. So that was the first stage. And that led me, mm-hmm. let, that led me to a path towards uh, learning about leadership. Because earlier, 
I, I went into the frame was I, I know what software development is. And then I, I know what it what our software development team does and I will make my team successful. I went in with that frame. Like and if, if something somebody mm. is wrong or if something is wrong, I, I know what to fix and I will give them the solution or I will fix it myself. Uh, so I went in with that frame that I know everything. And I think what those few people who gave me that feedback, that this is what is happening and that, that is why they are closing up, made me realize that I do not know everything. And then that allowed me to go out and seek or, or learn about leadership, learn about communication, learn about human behavior, which earlier I was not even doing because I thought I knew everything. So that's one thing. And then what that led to is um, a couple of leadership uh, leadership training programs. A few of them were recommended by my company. They, they, they sent me to a few communication skills workshop. And then uh, I, I signed, up, signed up for a couple of programs on my own independently outside of work. Hmm. Uh, and then that caught me into this journey, which I continue, I, I would say for the last 10 to 12 years, I have been fascinated. I have still not come to like uh, to discovering what goes behind human behavior i think it's such a rich uh, rich field of uh, understanding uh, so for the last 10 to 12 years through multiple trainings multiple programs talking to multiple people i am constantly learning about like what does it mean to be a human being and why do people behave the way they do so that's that's my journey it started with uh, that uh, revelation that there was something which i do not know and then mm. uh, the next steps have been basically trying to fill those gaps or trying to get better at understanding that. And one of the things um, that I've noticed then, uh, sorry, no, first of all, I, sh- I will say thank you very much for sharing, uh, Sumit. Thank you, thank you for sharing the, those experiences. That was really, um, really interesting and useful to hear. Um, and, and, and what that's getting me thinking then is that um that approach of uh, i i learn a way of, of of working a way of doing things that you had in software development and then you took that into a new context so you took that into then leading a software development team and and you uh, you would look to then apply what you knew already and, and what i'm noticing is that happening in in the remote and hybrid uh, approach to leading teams then in that um, certain, uh, for, for some people then, they've, they've learned how to lead a team in a physical way where everybody's physically there and physically in the, in, in the environment or the context that they're in. And then um, with the impact of, uh, of COVID and, and the, uh, the rapid acceleration of, of shift towards in some workplaces, not all more remote and or hybrid teams, um, the the application of of approaches and techniques that may have worked in a physical setting uh, are then not working or certainly not working as well in in a hybrid or remote setting is that something that you've noticed as well in in your work yes yes i i think you're touching on something something important here that when our context shifts we do we do not shift our practices we do not shift what we do and then um, Obviously, some things will work the way they used to, but some things will stop working just because of the context has shifted, uh, and it, and it has shifted so dramatically with with the move to remote and hybrid work, uh, and it's it's the same kind of situation, right? Because you do not even know that you do not know something, 
so now then you you are not even looking for solutions and you're not even realizing that that you're facing a problem or or there is a there is a breakdown coming ahead if if not immediately mm-hmm. and uh, and and if i play with that idea then is there a risk that in the way that i frame this podcast that um that i'm lumping two very different contexts together because i've talked about remote and hybrid teams um, and then leadership of a, of a hybrid team where you've got some people in the office and some people remote or some people in the, in, in, I say in the office, let me just try that again. Um, where you have some people in a physical location together and some people remote, or you might have some people in a physical location together sometimes, and then other times they're remote, um, as compared with teams that are 100% remote. So if I think about the teams that I lead, um, we're either all remote or we're all together. We, we don't ha- have that uh, that hybrid um, approach. So is there a risk that by, in a way, I've, I've, I've conflated those two contexts together, do you think? Should we be separating them out, I suppose? Yes, yes. I, I think remote, remote and hybrid. I think I think are different, and I think um, hybrid is something which will I think still form into something in the next few years. Uh, it's, mm. it's still something which is very new, and um, I, I think there is still a lot of things which we are, which we do not know. And one one way to close ourselves to to those things is to say that we know, and this is a solution, which worked for remote or which worked for in person, and then this is this is something which we will take directly to the hybrid approach rather than taking an experimentation uh, lens to things and see that hybrid is still so new, it's so unknown, technology is evolving. Uh, We have no idea what hybrid will look like two years or even even five years down the line. Okay. Yeah. So I I think with every question, right, every question or every topic we frame, there there is that risk of limiting limiting ourselves by that definition even even when when you say that remote work is is hard or or hybrid is hard uh, i think the i think a better way to frame would be to that it's it is new or it is different from what we were doing uh, because seeing everything as a as a problem and this is this is something uh, of a fallacy which i deal with like uh, being an introverted person and being a software engineer how to not see everything as a problem to fix, right? So I, I think hybrid and remote is new. So that that's a frame I I like to see it, and then because mm-hmm. of that frame, it allows me to uh, to be open to new possibilities and maybe ideas which are totally against what what my current thinking is. Uh, I think that's a risk with every question or every topic we frame, and uh, that and to ask ourselves that is the question itself or is the topic itself limit, limiting us in our exploration. Okay, so if I if I take inspiration from that, then um, zoom it. So if if we've got a listener then who is um, working in a remote way, and, and it is new or different for them, um, what would be three things that you would advocate for that leader to maybe think about or um, or practice or experiment? And I'm now crossing my fingers and hoping that you're happy with those three frames that I've put. But let's go with it. Um, yes. So if there were, yeah, if there was a, someone listening to this uh, to this podcast who is is doing that, then so they're leading a remote team, what might be say, yeah, three things that 
they might need to to think about practice or experiment yes so i think the first thing would be exactly what i what i what i was just talking about is to frame it as new frame it as different rather than frame it as um, as a problem or as a challenge and what mm-hmm. that allows you to do is to listen to different people differently because there will be people who would love remote and hybrid there will be people who will uh, hate remote and hybrid right and to allow for that uh, that flexibility and to learn from both of them right and rather than going into with with a frame that this is what you should be doing or this is what i have seen work in my previous company or in this company so this is a policy or this is something which we will do like to 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 get very very practical like one uh, one thing which i have seen people struggle with is the is the stand up meeting right mm-hmm. it, it's it has a place uh, I, I, that's my current thinking and i'm like i'm open to proving to being proven wrong but my current thinking is that the stand up meeting is a very powerful meeting in in person uh, because it creates that physical sense of togetherness it creates that small space of maybe 10 to 15 minutes 20 minutes where people get together and connect uh, in a way that they normally don't do in a in a mm-hmm. remote world if you say, take the same metaphor for uh, for the for the like doing it on a, on a screen basically if in what we are doing in the remote world is we are talking to screens we are talking to screens and if we take the take the same metaphor and say that we'll still do a stand up meeting and we still talk about the same thing and but we will do five people six people and you will have five different uh, windows on on your screen it's a totally different experience the stand up meeting is not just about what we say what we communicate but also about that space which we create by standing up getting together in a huddle which is very different in the remote world mm. right so i think i think that's where uh, i have seen some companies adapt like they have they have uh, almost limited uh, like i have always removed any kind of uh, information sharing to asynchronous channels and i think when stand ups first evolved we did not have the kind of communication tools that we have today like tools mm. like tools like slack or instant messaging or or even like uh, zoom or using audio to communicate Uh, so i think what some people i have seen doing it well is to re- use a meeting for personal connection use a meeting for for that kind of uh, information or uh, bonding uh, but take away all the information sharing unless it requires a conversation to asynchronous channels right and then stand up meeting can basically become a place where you do it not every day maybe maybe a few times and then everybody gets to choose according to their flexibility Mm-hmm. and then you and you use you can still have all the information sharing you can still talk about what is working what is not working what is blocking me what i have had, have i done who am i waiting for you can still still talk about all of it in a in a dedicated let's say in a dedicated channel on slack for stand up meetings right and then you can actually do it multiple times a day right you can you do not have to uh, to state your blocker in a stand up meeting you can actually do it whenever it it is a blocker for you if you have that channel and then use the the meeting space which is virtual wisely because we now know that it, it takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of attention to just to stare at a screen all day remote seeing people on a screen is not the same as seeing people in person and then we need to be open to adapt to that so that's that's one example of uh, mm. what i was just sharing the, does that make sense or do you want me to continue with with the two more things with you, with you 
Um, so absolutely, it makes sense, and um, I'm I'm a big fan of um, of being clear about the the purpose and the outcome of of an interaction. So if we're bringing some people together, why are we doing it? What's the purpose, and then what's the outcome? So if uh, and and then we can then decide. So what's the best methodology to deliver that purpose and outcome? So if the purpose is for um, a social connection, a sense of togetherness, um, people feeling as though um, you know, that they're seen and, and heard by others, then we can say, OK, well, if that's the purpose, then and the outcome is everyone leaves with a sense of, oh, I feel connected with other people. I've, I've been great to catch up with so and so. Then we can we can just then decide the 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 methodology that we think or, or we believe will work, and then we can experiment with it and adapt and change if we need to. Um, and, and I'm a big fan of that. And so rather than taking the practice, as you with the example you brilliantly use of, of a stand up and saying right, let's now take a stand up and do it virtually or do it remotely, is say well, what was the point of the stand up then? What was its purpose? What was its outcome? And then what's the what's a, a, an effective way to deliver that purpose and that outcome. So one of my clients that I work with, um, it's a slightly different context and it, it wasn't a stand-up that we, that was in place before. Um, the, but the catch-up meeting that was in place doesn't happen at a screen. So the catch-up meeting happens over a call while everybody is out walking. Mm-hmm. So we've set up a because what what we were finding was what we wanted was people to feel like they had a, some space and time where they didn't have to talk about work, where they could clear their head, where they could talk about a number of different things that wasn't necessarily hanging it off the different projects that, that they would work on. And historically, that was done in a physical setting. So they would go to a physical place, they would have nice tea and nice coffee, and they would sit sit around together and, and, and talk and, and be together as a collective. And what they found was that that brought forward... Um, information about what might be going on for them personally what, how they're feeling what they're thinking some of the issues or, or difficulties they might be having on different projects or pieces of work but it was done in a very unstructured way and then when they tried to move that onto teams it felt really clunky mm-hmm. um, so instead we worked about what was the purpose what was the outcome and going out for a walk and everybody being on the phone instead so actually being out moving and in an outdoor environment um, worked better to deliver the purpose and the outcomes that they wanted than try, than getting everybody sat down um, in front of a screen. And partly that was inspired by what they used to do was get up physically and move away from their desks and be in a space together. And I was like, well, you can't do that because COVID. Um, so what can we do instead that gets you physically up and moving away from your desk and still being in a space together? So that's where we went with a like a, a, a conference call type approach, but with cameras off and out and about and, and outside. Now, it gets tricky when the weather's really wet or when the weather's cold and, and there's certain times where it gets a bit trickier to do or if somebody happens to be in a location where it's dead noisy, then, you, but in the, you know, we're dealing with those by exception rather than... Um, letting those exceptions define the 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 the, the 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 operating procedure for that particular type of interaction that they're looking to have yes exactly i think that's a wonderful frame that you put in and the question that like why are we doing what we are doing and then mm-hmm. having the flexibility to change that 
to suit what like to suit the purpose to suit the outcome rather than the process or the or the definition of of the way things should be or should or the way things are and and to to take it to a granular level right we can allow people and we can allow teams that flexibility to make this decision for themselves so if you, mm. if you if you're if you're leading 100 people and if you have 10 teams and if you think something works for you then you can make it as a suggestion for your 10 teams but the 10 teams can are then free to basically improvise on that or to do something else with that idea hmm. right and in 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 the in the in the frame of or in the in the with the perspective of the same purpose that we are trying to achieve so if if the purpose is to share information what works best for this team versus this team if the purpose is to build bonding and to have a open conversation then what might work best for one team might work best for for a different team uh, mm. so to to take it very granular and ask ourselves and allowing allowing the people the freedom to ask themselves that uh, does it make sense like i i know the purpose of my team i know the purpose of my organization and i know my role i know my objective i know my deliverables now what i am doing on a day to day basis if something does not make sense either i should i should be open to to talk about it or i should be able to change if if that's something which i can change then i should be able to change it directly but even otherwise i should be able to have a conversation about it hmm yeah definitely yeah okay <clears throat> so should we go on to the the other two um uh things that you had on your list yes so i think the second one uh, is um, I think and I, and I say this because right we are we are moving from remote uh, we are moving from in person to remote but we are still dealing with people mm-hmm. and then when you're dealing with people the principles kind of remain the same uh, and one thing which is which is I think even more important in the in the remote work because we do not see each other physically is the importance of trusting people first right? so mm-hmm. not trusting people when they deliver or when they give us a reason to trust uh, but trusting people first as a as an act of faith or an, as an act of uh, and again it's it's an act of trusting right if you yeah. trust somebody why would you not give them a chance to prove themselves rather than coming in with suspicion or coming in with skepticism and then shifting your behavior based on what you see and and i say this very in in the context of um, remote work because we do mm-hmm. not have the physical um the physical sensations or the physical um, listening that that we could listen to people's bodies and sometimes even uh, even we are we are only talking on audio calls so when that mm-hmm. is happening we do not have that and it's very easy to assume something which might not be the case right so in 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 cases of doubt or in cases when there is something that like is this person really productive is this person really working or are they wasting time to tilt on the side of trust like to tilt on the side of trusting people and giving them that space that if there is something bothering them first of all to ask them and let have them share that with you but but even mm-hmm. otherwise instead of asking people for proof of why you should trust somebody and then you, and you, and you show trust like not by saying i trust you but by but by allowing people to make those decisions which we were talking about in the first point like if you trust somebody then you trust their judgment if you trust somebody then you trust their opinions if you trust somebody then you trust their suggestions not to accept all suggestions but at least to have a conversation at least to listen to their ideas 
because mm-hmm. that's what people want people do not want uh, leaders to agree to everything which they think or which they which they have formulated but what what they at least want is to be heard to be acknowledged that they have this idea and and that builds connectivity that builds that we are on the same team together if you listen to somebody even if the idea is is let's use the word totally totally bullshit even then if you listen to somebody even if you make them feel heard that's good for the team that's good for your leadership and that hmm. that's what me that what's uh, what means for creating a safe environment that's what trust means so that would be the second thing which i would i would say it's a very it's a easily thrown around word uh, but it it's it goes uh, very deep in in what you can do if you are operating mm. from trust rather than if you are op- operating from skepticism or fear so uh, i i like that one a lot one of my um one of the things that i get very frustrated by um is the um is the idea that uh, we want to monitor how how people are working or what they're doing remotely that we want to uh, that that we want to put some kind of um uh, yeah monitoring process in place around how long they're at their desk um what applications they're using how long they're using the applications for <clears throat> that remote um that monitoring of, of remote workers um when i see uh, news stories uh, about it or the, the growth in remote monitoring um it the way I interpret that is that says an awful lot about the the culture within an organization that that feels like it needs to have those degrees of of monitoring and uh, yeah monitoring and an and, and assessment uh, going on. So I need to be clear that um, you know we need to make sure we've got the right security protocols in place. We need to make sure that um, that we've we've got we're not leaving ourselves open to any. Uh, any IT breaches or security breaches or cyber attacks or um, all those things. Um, at the same time, though, what we, we we don't need to be doing is is monitoring how many hours have you spent on Word today, how many hours have you spent on your emails or all those things. Because it it for me, to your point, it comes from a place of of fear of I'm scared that people aren't working rather than coming from a place of trust of, I, I trust that people are doing what they need to do to deliver the outcomes they need to deliver. And then if the outcomes aren't delivered, well, that's a whole other thing then. So if the outcomes aren't being delivered, then there's conversations to be had about why that isn't happening. But monitoring or remote monitoring for me isn't the isn't the solution or the way to do that. Yes, I, I think, I think uh, like such kind of activities have no place in the 21st century unless it's a compliance issue or as you said right it's required to protect a, la- a larger threat uh, but in in terms of leadership like if if i would have my way like i would i would not have any kind of tracking or any kind of regular uh, like time logging or anything like that uh, because that's totally opposite uh, because in the end again asking the same question right why are we doing what we are doing the purpose yeah, exactly. of putting a team together is to have them perform better as a unit right it, it's not about individuals if individuals can work uh, can do everything there is there is no need for teams the only reason we have teams is people to work together as a unit 
and if if whatever practices i am putting whatever policies i am putting is going against that then why am i doing so so that that's a simple frame which which i would like to add and then another context is that we are we are not doing factory work anymore we are not working in factories we are not using our hands we are using our our brain we are using our creativity and for that kind of environment research has proven that trust is the is the foundation if you remove trust creativity and innovation will go down brainstorming will will just sound like dull ideas coming because people will not say what they real, what they are really thinking they will say what is what they feel is safe to say right mm. so any kind of brainstorming any kind of creative activity you need that space of openness you need that space of trust uh, and you can you can get compliance you can get obedience from people by like by leading from fear or by putting in a lot of uh, I, i think i was reading this somewhere earlier today um, henry ford uh, i think he had a he used to penalize people if they laughed at work because laughing takes you away from the assembly line uh, <laughs> okay yeah yeah so that's that's like time wasted uh but in the, in the work we we do today yes you can you can get obedience you can get people to do what you want to do uh, by having those kind of policies uh, but at the same time you will not get creativity you will not get uh, innovation you will not get exponential performance yes you can get incremental performance you can have people change by fear but at the same time they will not be happy and they will they will be looking for a job like uh, behind your back and you will not even know about it another another mm. um, example i think i think uh, i was having a coaching call of, i think a couple of weeks ago and, um, and we were talking about the same topic trust and we were talking about how this plays out in in conversations and when we mm-hmm. uh, when we make requests for people right if you, if if i make a request to somebody and they do not feel it safe to say no what that means is that you cannot trust any yeses which you are getting right so if people do not have the flexibility to share their uh, different opinions to say no to what you are requesting them to do then every yes which you are getting every commitment which you are getting is kind of uh, bland because then uh, people are saying yes but internally internally they have something else like they they might have something like uh, this is never going to happen or i will give my mm. best but we we all know how how this is going to turn out or let's say I, i will do it if you say if you ask me to do so but anyways my heart is not in into this and that will impact the performance so if if you cannot if you cannot give people the freedom to uh, to say no the risk is that you cannot trust any yes which you are getting and that's a huge risk if you if you see it from that frame hmm and that would yeah so as as a leader then that would worry me um yes but uh, I, i i yeah so yeah okay all right so we've had um we've had two of the three things then so the first one you said was um uh use the frame of new or different so so remote working or remote leadership or leading remote teams is new or different uh the second one you talked about then is uh leading with trust uh so what would number 3 be i think number 3 would be asking questions with curiosity okay yeah so and that's a natural extension of the first two if you are in a new place mm. and if you are open and trustworthy that means that you want to know more about the situation you want to know more about how people are dealing with the situation and you want to know about what you do not know 
and and the only way you can do so is by asking questions right not by suggesting not by sharing your story not not by like bringing in things because they have worked for this team or this company and by asking questions and being open open to what what is coming up like 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 rain again because when you ask questions the 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 challenge is that people might say something which you don't want to hear or people might give you an opinion or an idea which which you, which is uh, opposing your idea or which is something which you, which you do not see as as the right fit uh, mm-hmm. and that stops us many times from asking questions so asking questions with uh, with curiosity um, this this could be for for a very transactional meeting like a like a work meeting but this is also very practical for a one on one meeting or for for a very intimate meeting where we are not talking about the work issues we are not talking about a project but we are talking about how are we working like what can we what can we change what can we shift uh, so that would be my my third uh, my third um, suggestion okay all right so if i look back across those three then we've got approach it as new or different rather than um hard or um uh, rather than hard um we've got leading with trust um and then uh, asking questions with curiosity yes exactly like asking op- open ended questions because that that's the first step uh, it mm. it forces people to think rather than like coming up with uh, with rote answers like if you ask people how are you like they will tell you mm. they are fine right because it is something which we have practiced so much that that comes naturally uh, but you do as if you if you are trustworthy if you are cu- curious you will ask another question right how how are you doing really like tell me what what's happening at your end are you are you happy are you excited are you motivated are you bored uh, are you are you looking for a job on the side or the, what is what is happening at, at your end and not accepting those rote answers right that that's also uh, something something about trusting people right when you when you hear an answer like that you know that it is a scripted answer it is something which we throw out around but it does not actually answer the question which i am asking so asking questions also includes the responsibility to create that space so that people can actually answer so that um, yeah i think it's a simple thing to say ask questions but it's it's very nuanced when it comes to allowing people or asking questions in a way that people actually feel safe to answer them Hmm. So I I think um so the the intent behind that that I I absolutely agree with um and, and having that genuine interest to quote a friend of mine Aaron Garner having having a genuine interest in another human being is is really important um and 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 it's that genuine interest not a superficial interest it's a, it's a genuine interest in in another person and what might they what they may think what they may feel um what may be going on for them and, and having that that genuine uh, interest in them i think is uh, is important the um the how are you question it, it, i think it gets a bit of a bad rep um and what i mean by that is so w- one of the things that i'm interested in is conversation analysis so analyzing what actually happens in conversation mm-hmm. And and that opening ritual um, is important. It it, it sets a um, it sets a foundation for uh, for where the conversation goes, um, or it can set a foundation. Not I say it sets because then that implies certainty and, and universality, and that's not necessarily the case. It often provides a foundation for where conversations go thereafter. 
So it's one for me that we need to be cautious about dismissing um, or dismissing out of hand because it it still has communicative value. Um, uh, there's the politeness side of things that you, we do the polite ritual to open the conversation because um, if we open a conversation with with a, how are you really and with that additional emphasis on really for example, then it it can depending on and, and this is where context is so important depending on the relationship and who you're with that that if we if we dismiss the performative how are you I'm fine thanks how are you yeah I'm fine all oh, great wonderful like we did at the start of this podcast um if we dismiss it out of hand we we risk um not giving it the recognition it deserves both as a as a as a ritual to open up a conversation as but it also can be used as a way to signal how somebody's feeling so the way that somebody responds to the how are you question can provide some some signals for you about what might be going on for them as well so i think um i think it's about yeah having that 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 what i want to say having that genuine interest in and listening really really listening to what it is that that somebody's saying and and as you said, using that trust to create the the environment or create the context where um, if somebody is feeling something other than I'm fine, where the opportunity is there for them to talk about it. And and I think I can't remember if I shared this story on the podcast before. So one of the teams that I led when I first started being interested in analyzing behavior and nonverbal communication and emotion and facial expressions and things like that. Um, there was a member of my team who was really struggling with something personally. And every day when they'd come in, I'd ask them, how are you? And they say they were fine. And, and the fine would come be accompanied with a look of sadness or distress on their face um, it would occasionally come with a change in pitch. So sometimes it'd be fine. Sometimes it'd be fine. Sometimes it'd be fine. Sometimes, you know, so mm-hmm. it, would, it would be variation. Um, and, and I would push then and I say, well, no, come on, tell me, how are you really? And they'd be, no, I'm fine, Phil. And I remember there was, there was one day, um, where, uh, I can't remember how many days in a row I must've asked, but, I'm, but it, whichever way it, 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 it would appear as though it was too many. Um, because the uh, I said, no, come on, no, how are you really? And it was, Phil, I don't want to talk about it. If I wanted to talk about it, I would have answered that question when you asked me yesterday and the day before and the day before that. I don't want to talk about it. I was like, okay. And, um, and, and my intent was was one of, of care and support and understanding and wanting to help and, and all of those things. Um but I, I was kind of forcing my agenda of me wanting to talk about it rather than doing the, the, the second bit that you mentioned about leading with trust and trusting that when that person's ready, they'll tell me what's going on for them if I've created the right environment, if that makes sense. Yes, I, I think that's a wonderful example, right? I think I think what you're sh- talking is also also related to listening and when you hear people say that they are fine and you see something else in their in their bodies or, or in their tone of voice like that's also something you can listen and then you can decide what to do next right whether to probe further 
or whether to back off is, is something depending on the context, depending on the relationship, depending on the number of times you have already already like tried to try to probe deeper. But at least mm. as as a leader, it's a very important signal that there is something missing. And and, and I, I say this because there, there are a lot of leaders who are blind to that, who's who take the fine at face value and they just continue with the rest of the things, right? And, uh, and they say that, like my people tell me they are fine. And so that's a risk we, we take in accepting uh, or listening only to the words and not listening to what is there. Yes, but once you listen, once you take that genuine interest in somebody and you listen that there is a, there is a lack of harmony in what I am listening in and what I am sensing, then what do you do about it, right? You can, you can, uh, you can try multiple things and and sometimes you can be the reason, right? Why, why people don't want to share something, and mm-hmm. this is something which I have found as a leader is that to just to say that did something I do is causing you to not open up about me, all right? Or, or do you do you do you have a fear of how this might reflect to me if you open up about me? And then because one thing which I have learned from the previous experience which I which I started the podcast with is is that there mm-hmm. are things which I. I do not know that I do not know, right? So there are there are still might be things which I have no idea that might be stopping them from opening up to me. And then just sometimes just by phrasing it like that, like feel free to share and anything which you share does not have to go out of this room, even if hmm. even if it, it is whatever, whatever it is there. So is, is, is their lack of trust with me causing them to not open up? And then how can I... Uh, in the moment, how can I contextually frame my question? And that could be saying that, exactly, right? This could be something which I have done in the past or my way of leading in the past is not allowing you to open up. And I want to be, I want to create a safe space for this one conversation. Whatever you say, if you want to say it, it's it's restricted to this conversation. It's not going to affect anything which I do later on. And then, yes, obviously, people still have the choice to not open up to you. And then you have to respect that choice. You cannot... You cannot force trust on others. Like trust, hmm. trust. I think that there is no equivalence of, um, uh, there is no parallels between uh, trusting and then expect having expectations from people, uh, or or forcing people to 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 trust you back. So you can trust people, but people will trust you back in their own time, in their own space, depending on depending on their context. So I think I think that's a wonderful example which you shared. Thank you. Um, so there's one more thing I want to add and then um, I want to ask you a question about myths and misconceptions and then we'll start to to close the podcast off um, so the other thing that's that's come to mind as, as you were talking there um, or as I was listening there was um, that often I think it feels like when something's going on for somebody else that, that as humans we can think it's about us so we can think it's it's about it's about me or it's about my behaviors or my actions or or the work that I'm setting for my team or uh, whatever that may be and, and one of the things I encourage both my coaching clients and if I'm doing some uh, some leadership development work as well is um, hold on to uh, the hypothesis that it it could not be about you because often it isn't about you 
Um, often it's about something else. So what what we see in in behaviours or actions of others is to do with things that are happening for them. And, and because we see them in our interactions with that person, we then think it's about us. And invariably, it's not about us. Invariably, it's about something else. Um, but I think there's that that ego part of us that thinks it's about us when um, it, often it, it isn't actually about us at all. It's about um, something else in, entirely that's going on for them. Um, but we make it mean something bigger because we make it about us when actually it, it, it often it's not. Yes. I, I think you, you used a wonderful word there, right? Hypothesis. And mm. I think if people just start to see those ideas or those thoughts which come up because of the ego or because of their uh, like obsession with I and me, and this is, this, is, this is a human condition, right? This is not about any particular person. This is something which yeah, we all absolutely. do. Uh, mm. To see it as a hypothesis. Right? And that's, that's, a, that's a huge, big thing. Because what, what happens is that when we don't see it as a hypothesis, we take action on it. So if I sense that my teammate is not trusting me, then that's a hypothesis rather than an assumption which now I act on either by talking to them with mistrust myself or asking them for some justification or something. To see our own ideas and thoughts as hypothesis and then be being, being very conscious about acting towards that and asking the same question right for the for the for what purpose for what outcome am i creating this right so if, if i get a sense that my boss does not trust me is this going to help me in that relationship unless unless i go and talk to the person directly unless i like go and make a complaint and would go and share my my the way i am looking at the world unless i take that action that's that hypothesis is not going to help me with forming a good relationship with my boss or having me perform the way I should be performing in my work because it's going to linger in my in my thoughts in the back of my head and that that is going to have an impact so just that yeah. one I would like to, one word which you used is so powerful to see your ideas to see your thoughts as hypothesis and then either you can go ahead and gather evidence gather data for that gather reasons for that or you just drop it yeah definitely yeah okay um so before we close off the podcast, then I wanted to, to ask, is there uh, or are there some myths or misconceptions that you would like to address or put to bed about leadership or, or leading remote and or hybrid teams? I think one misconception is, uh, is that this is a problem to solve. Or, okay. Or this is this is something which needs to be met with a strategy, and I think especially at at this time, it it needs to be met with openness, and it needs to be met to, met with curiosity and to be open to trying out different things as hypotheses as experiments, and then giving people the space to implement what works for them or and their teams. I think that's that's a one big one, and I think second one mm-hmm. is 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 about leadership in general and not about um, remote and hybrid teams is that people are different and, and and the same person on two different days are different people because uh, they might be facing totally different situation right so people mm-hmm. are different and then unpredictability is, is is not a bug like and i used to i used to think think like that earlier that 
uh, I can't trust people because they are so unpredictable. So unpredictability of people is, is not a bug, it's actually a feature. And if, if you can listen to that, if you can tap into that, that can unleash a lot of creativity, that can unleash a lot of innovation um, by, by creating an environment of trust, of psychological safety, and then where people do not, like, do not have to put a mask at work, do not have to show something that they are which they are not. And to be okay mm. with opening up, to be okay with uh, sharing what might be unpopular or unfamiliar in that context. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's the biggest one, I think, which is, which is I'm still discovering that not to form expectations or not to put people into boxes and uh, not to restrict them because of either what I have heard from others or what I have seen myself or even what I heard them speak to me yesterday. And so people are mm -hmm. unpredictable and that means that they can change. That means that uh, things can go from good to bad, but also things can go from bad to good. Performance can change. And mm. giving, people, giving people that space and that trust comes with acknowledging that idea that people are unpredictable and that's not a bad thing. Okay. I like that frame. Unpredictability is a feature, not a bug. And from a software developer as well. Yes. Nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, all right. So if I if I bring us together and, and wrap the podcast up, then um, uh, my my kind of questions that I always ask every guest on on closing is: there someone that you would recommend that we seek out as a guest to get onto the podcast? Uh, yes, there there are a few leaders um, I, I I have worked with in the past uh, whom I would uh, like consider exemplify that kind of leadership that I believe. And then there are mm -hmm. also a few people I have learned most uh, most about, and those people are coaches and trainers in the in this space. And uh, there there are a few names which uh, which come to mind, which I can I can recommend. Okay, and those would be so one one of them would be would be Samir Dua, who is uh, mm -hmm. who is my coach currently, but also also he he leads the Institute for Generative Leadership, and he has written a couple of books uh, on the on the topic of leadership. And uh, I have followed him. Uh, he's currently living in in the in the UK, and um, so certainly he he's one of those people. And then okay, I, yeah, yeah. I think I think just to add something else, right? So I, I read mm. I read this book, Conscious Business, by Fred Kaufman, and and it's still there on my on my desk every day. And I, I think mm. the first time I read it, it must have been six or seven years ago. And this book has made such a big impact, and I do not know the author personally, uh, but this book has made such an impact, such an impact for me, and I take it as a reference manual for leadership. Uh, so that if you, if you can get uh, hold hold of the author, I think he he's a wonderful person to, and I think he was he was um, like a senior VP in LinkedIn at one point of time. Uh, okay. Yeah. So he's a, he's also that, and I would recommend that book to book to anybody. And the book is called Conscious Business. Did yes, you say? yes, it's Conscious yeah, okay. Business. Yes. Well, so we'll we'll put a link to uh, we'll put a link to the book in the show notes. Wonderful. Uh, that probably takes me on to my second question then around uh, what resources, so books, videos, talks, um, would you recommend for people? And we can put links to those uh, in the show notes. So apart from this book, which I which I mentioned, uh, I think mm -hmm. uh, there are a couple of more books which uh, which I can recommend around uh, communication. Uh, and leadership. One of one of them is uh, Conscious Capitalism by by John Mackey. I think this is talking about capitalism and business from a from a different context. I think 
the way right. I the way I see business, um, I think it's a force for good uh, on our planet. And I have I have started uh, non-profit organizations as well as uh, for-profit companies in the past. So I I say it from that frame that business uh, is actually a very good uh, or or maybe the best tool, business and capitalism, to improve the human condition on our planet. That's one. Okay. Uh, and then the another book which uh, or another I think a series of uh, videos. Uh, which uh, uh, which are there with the Institute for Generative Leadership. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I have, I have been influenced a lot by them. And uh, I, th- I think there is a, yeah, I can't remember the name. I think it's called Building Leadership Muscle. So they have a series of videos which is which is available for, for anybody who wants to take a dip into, into leadership, but from a different perspective. Uh, I, w- I would recommend okay. those to anybody. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. We'll put links to both of those um, uh, into the show notes. Uh, so if people wanted to get hold of you then, Sumit, what would be a good way um, for them to get hold of you if they wanted to yeah, uh, pick up a conversation with you or, or find out a little bit more? I'm, I'm quite active on LinkedIn. Uh, so that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's the easiest way. I'm also uh, always available on sumit at deployyourself.com. Uh, by by email uh, because I, mm-hmm. I I write uh, a lot on on my website I write a lot of articles and a lot lot of people reply back to me and I always love having those conversations so uh, so my my website deployyourself.com and on LinkedIn these are the two places where I'm most active wonderful and we'll put links into both of those things then so we'll put a link into your website we'll put your email address in as well if that's okay sure that's perfectly okay yep Okay, and then we'll put a link in to your. I uh, will put a, a link in to your LinkedIn, if I can say the word link. And uh, we will, we will <laughs> yes. we'll put. Yeah, we'll we'll make sure people can get to your LinkedIn profile uh, as well. Yes. All right. Um. So, is there something else then, Sumit? Is there something else that you're thinking, feeling, or want to say before we close off? I think I loved our conversation. How it how it flowed. And um, I think the only thing I would sh- I would share is that I'm I'm excited actually about about helping people be be better leaders and uh, and seeing leadership as a as a skill which anybody can learn rather than as a, as a role or as a as a title. So I'm actually pretty excited about uh, about this whole space and this journey which which I started around twelve years ago and I still continue. Uh, and um, every every day I, I read something or I hear something which uh, like piques my curiosity, and then I, I and then I explore this topic further. So I'm constantly curious uh, and excited, and I've, I've, I'm looking up for like what what the world will show up, how will work change, how will leadership change in the coming years and the coming decades. Wonderful. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Zuma. I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation as well. It's been great to have you on the Emotion at Work podcast and thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Phil, for having me. You've been listening to the Emotion at Work podcast and if you got this far, you must be interested in the role that emotions have in the workplace, either within individuals, between people in teams or in organisations as a whole. So head over to the Emotion at Work hub which you can find at community.emotionatwork.co.uk. Thanks for listening.